Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How could I move forward when I keep looking backwards? I'm just standing still. How can I fight this obsession? Have I not learned my lesson? Maybe I never will. And good evening, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host. As always, Tony Defio, and I certainly thank you for joining me on this lovely, fairly lovely Friday evening in Pittsburgh. It's a, it's a bit cold, but it's not too bad. And I'm certainly glad that you're with me. And before I continue, as always, I pl- encourage you to please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night, including this show, The Hangout with the Hangover every Monday with Shannon White and Brian Anthony Davis. Of course, the Scobro Show with Dave Schofield and his brother Rich. Know Your Enemy slash The Curtain Call with Jeffrey Benedict. And from what I understand, Shannon White's on that show now. So please check that out. Uh, the touch- Touchdown Under with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davison. We Run the North. I always forget some some shows every week. We run north with with Kevin Tate. I believe you know him as uh, Tate Boys. That's a great live show. Let's see Steelers preview with Jeff Hartman, Dave Schoolfield, and Brian. Post game stuff. Um, am I missing anything? I usually am, but you can check those out every day and night on YouTube, and of course you can check those out live on Facebook too. And if you're watching me on Facebook right now, you know that. Hello. And I, as I always say, please be gentle. And you can catch all of those live shows after the fact on any audio platform of your choosing. And we also have a audio-only plethora host of shows that you can, you can uh, catch on any audio platform, including From the Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict. The live mic with Michael Beck, 
Stat Geek with Dave Schofield, The War Room with Manny Peverall. Let, uh, let's see. Uh, uh, let's Ride with Jeff Hartman. The Steelers Half Power Half Hour with Chris Pugh. What it's talking about with Kyle Kreis. Let's see. I, I was looking at some some shows earlier. Listening to some, actually, I, I don't have a whole lot of time, so I can't listen to all of them. Uh, Bad language, language with Brian Anthony Davis. Um, let's see. Here we go, Steelers show with Brian and, and KT Smith, the great KT Smith. He's a great head coach. He has a great football mind. I think that's all of them, but I'm sure there's more. I'm sure, there's more. But you again, you can catch any of those. On any audio platform, I love our iHeartRadio, but you can catch them anywhere. You can find Steelers podcast, so please check those out. Our podcast family is growing. Our our, our shows are growing. Our uh, Andrew Wilbar, oh my gosh, uh, Jeremy Betts, they do great work with the draft, the draft fix, I believe it's called. There's so many shows. I mean, you guys are just doing yourselves a disservice. If you don't check those out and of course, check out behind the still curtain, the website, we're bringing news commentary, film breakdown. Anytime there is a breaking story, like a former Steelers draft pick quarterback signing with a AFC North rival. We're here to bring it to you. So please check, check us out. It's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers needs. And let's see who we have in the live chat on this lovely Friday night. Jared Double, first one in. Cree X, he says, good evening behind the steel curtain. George Teston says, there's no need to fear. Underdog is here. I don't know. He's quoting somebody. I don't know who that is. Maybe it's Underdog, the uh, superhero. I don't know. Clarence Washington, Steeler Chick 46, Kathy Forrid. Eric Dove. Just me, just me joining us for the first time in a few weeks. All right. Steelers Pittsburgh, always with us every week. Deal with it from YouTube. Reginald Rivers from YouTube. He says, what's up, Steelers Nation from Bartlett, Tennessee. All right. And I think that's everybody. Okay. Let's get into some news. And the latest news for your Pittsburgh Steelers was the announcement really not that long ago on Friday evening that Joshua Dobbs, the 2017 fourth round pick out of, I'm drawing a blank, Tennessee, right? If I'm not correct, you can correct me in the live chat. But Josh Dobbs signed a deal with the Cleveland Browns. And I'm sorry to see him go. I mean, he's, he's coming, gone a couple of times over the years, but uh, obviously he was never really seriously in the Steelers' future plans at quarterback, and yeah, he he, he signed with the Browns. I, I don't really have a problem with that. Why would I? I mean, you know, fans have to realize these jobs are pretty scare, scarce, and um, what what you make even as a backup quarterback or a third string quarterback in the NFL. I mean, it, it's much more than what most jobs pay. So why is Josh Dobbs hanging around going from team to team, even a team in the AFC North? Cause he's trying to make a great living. 
And believe it or not, even though we like to make fun of these guys, not Josh Dobbs, but in general, uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, being a third string quarterback in the NFL is a pretty good living. So if I'm Josh Dobbs, um, even if, if I know, and he's a very smart guy, as we all know, he's a rocket scientist. If I know that my chances of, of having a, a uh, successful NFL career as a starter are pretty slim. I do know if I'm a smart guy, which he is that I can make a, a, pretty good living for several years and maybe set myself up for life. You know, if I stick around long enough and I'm sure that is factoring the Josh Dobbs decision, who knows, maybe he still has a dream of being a starting quarterback in the NFL, or maybe he's interested in coaching someday and he's hopping around from team to team and trying to absorb as much as he can from several different coaches. Who knows? But, Best of luck to Josh Dobbs. All right. Let's talk about uh, some of the topics in the description for tonight's show. Starting with, the obviously, the upcoming NFL draft. I wrote about this on Friday. Um, I think it's, it's, it's funny how things have changed over the years in the offseason, thanks to free agency and thanks to social media and and, and just times are different now than they were even five, 10 years ago. And free agency is looked at as this almost, um, it, I'd say in a, lot, in a lot of circles, it's, it's up there with the draft as far as being a building block for NFL teams. Now, is that just a perception or is that the reality? I think it's more perception than reality, but it certainly does influence how teams, teams, uh, uh, approach it. And uh, I was reminded recently of, of a little anecdote involving Troy Polamalu, uh, Bill Cowher, Kevin Colbert in the 2003 Steelers and uh, involving free agency. And obviously it didn't involve Polamalu because he was a, he was a, a college draft prospect who certainly was a, uh, a bona fide first round candidate, but, the Steelers were picking 27th, so there was no way they were going to get him out of USC to fill their their vacancy at safety or their their desire to upgrade at safety. So they went looking in free agency, and they and they had a verbal agreement with Dexter Jackson, who was a safety with the Buccaneers. He had just won Super Bowl MVP honors, and Buccaneers win over the Raiders in. Uh, what Super Bowl, Super Bowl was that? That was the following the 02 season. So that would be Super Bowl 37. So he was just voted Super Bowl MVP, MVP. And he had reached a, apparently he had reached a verbal agreement with the Steelers to sign with them. He was heading into his second contract. He was a 1999 fourth round pick. He started two straight years at the end of his rookie contract, and it looked like the Steelers had found their man at safety. But then Jackson had a change of heart at the last second, and he, he decided to sign with the Cardinals. What reason did he have? Probably more money. I mean, that's usually the bottom line for most of these guys, and I don't blame them. 
it would probably be for me too if I was in their world and grew up in their world. Um, you're trying to maximize your, your your earning power for as long as you can. So he had a change of heart. Probably got offered more money from Arizona. Signed with them. So the Steelers were left scrambling, and they immediately put their focus on Polamalu. They studied they studied him. They they had convinced themselves that he was their man and he could make a difference in their defense and in their secondary. So on draft day in 2003, they traded up with the chiefs. They went from 27 to 16 drafted Palomalu and the rest, as they say, is history. Palomalu is one of the greatest strong safeties of all time. Former defensive player of the year, 2010, two time Super Bowl winner. They went to the Super Bowl three times. The year that they lost, he was that was the year he was the, the defensive player of the year. Obviously, first ballot Hall of Famer. He just went in last year. One of the greatest Steelers of all time. Certainly one of the most popular. There's no doubt about that. But also one of the greatest Steelers who has ever lived. But if Jackson hadn't changed his mind and signed with the Steelers instead of going to Arizona... How different would Steelers history be? And would the Steelers have still been as aggressive in going after Palomalu if they had Jackson, again, who was a young guy, he was 26 at the time, in the fold? And I say they probably wouldn't have, you know, because they probably would have felt like, all right, if, if, you're, if you're them, not me, I'm not speaking as a fan. I'm speaking as them. All right, we have this safety now. We have we can we can focus on other needs. Uh, the Chiefs selected Larry Johnson with that pick. So would they have gone in that direction? They were still trying to to find Jerome Bettis' replacement, even though he was still on the roster at that time. They were they were still trying to replace him. Uh, 03 was the year that he he lost his job to Amos Zaraway. When that didn't work out in 04, they signed Deuce Daly. So would they have gone with Larry Johnson, who was a pretty good running back, certainly not a first ballot Hall of Famer, though, and I doubt he would have been a generational talent with the Steelers. So uh, or would they have gone in a, diff a different direction with a different position? Who knows? We'll never know. All I know is Palomalu uh, came here and, and – and, and was a game changer and, and every offensive coordinator and quarterback's nightmare. So my point is uh, just because the Steelers made all these moves in free agency, they brought in Mitch Trubisky, a quarterback, James Daniels, who is a, a fine young guard. I'm not going to lie. And he's probably the, 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 the one free agent that they signed that maybe it'd be silly to try to find his replacement because, you know, guards, and at least in this year's draft, uh, I don't think there, there's going to be a guard there for them to select at number twenty. But just because they even eat, but 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 say like this year's like like say David DeCaster was in this year's draft, and he slipped to twenty, and you say, well, okay, we have Kevin Dotson at one guard, we have uh, James Daniels at at, at, the, at the other guard, we, we signed Mason Cole, we have Kendrick Green. Uh, our interior line, we have a lot of young bodies. Uh, we don't need this David DeCastro, do we? You know, 
would, would they have passed him by? And I think, you know, when people read my article on Friday, at least one person said, well, this is your, just your way of saying, you know, go for the best player available. And that's not really what I was trying to say. You know, I, and I think that's a, that's a sort of like a catch-all phrase or a gotcha phrase that people say every year, pick the best player available no matter what. But I, that's not what I was trying to say. What I was trying to say is just because you addressed a, a position in free agency – doesn't mean you should stop trying to address it if the right player presents itself in the draft and that, in that year's draft, you know, obviously in say 2008, it would have been silly for the Steelers to try to draft another strong safety when Troy Polamalu was in the prime of his career or uh, in 2011 to draft a quarterback in the first round when big Ben Roethlisberger was still in the prime of his career, you know, or in 2013 to go after another center when you had Mark uh, Marquise Pouncey. And the reason why I say it would have been silly is because, you know, you, if you're the Steelers, you knew what those players brought to the table. You, they were proven commodities, but uh, when you're talking about free agents that you just brought in, and let's re remember, most free agents in the NFL, it's not like baseball or, or, or you know, hockey or, or, or these other sports. Um, football has a weird kind of thing, a prohibitive thing, probably unfair to its uh, top stars, but they keep signing new CBAs every every few years where they they prohibit – they prevent their top, the top players in the game from really reaching free agency. So you're not dealing with the top tier free agents uh, or the top tier players, I should say, every year. You're, you're, deal, you're usually dealing with players who weren't deemed good enough to be franchise tagged. So you're not dealing with the best of the best every year. Yeah, you're dealing with some good players. I'm not trying to say that. But... Uh, just because you you have a you have Mitch Trubisky for example as your quarterback, and I'm not saying he was he's a you know great free agent pickup, but when they brought him in here, it sort of led many to say, well, now they can focus on other areas in the first round, and they can wait until next year, the year after that, to find their quarterback. He's their bridge, so they don't have to worry about quarterback this year. But what if they feel so strongly about a Malik Willis or a Kenny Pickett or a Sam, or a Matt Corral or a Sam Howell or, or, or Desmond Ritter, and those guys are there at twenty, and you and, and or one of those guys is there at twenty, and you feel like all right, uh, we feel this guy can really be a great NFL quarterback. Are you going to pick pick him or are you going to pass him by because because you feel like. Uh, Mitch Trubisky can give you a couple good years at quarterback. You know, I think you'd be you'd be silly to not draft that guy. Or what if it's Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa? Uh, you brought in Kendrick Green. You drafted Kendrick Green last year. Obviously, he struggled, but you went and, and you signed Mason Cole this year, who has 39 career starts at both guard and center. And it's believed at this moment that he can he's going to step in and be the starting center in 2022. Now, Tyler Linderbaum, if you if you follow the draft and everybody probably in the live chat and who's listening to this podcast 
follows the draft, uh, you know that Linderbaum is really highly thought of, and he's one of the highest graded centers in a while. And he's he certainly head and shoulders above any other center in this class, as I mentioned on last week's show. You know, he's ranked 20th on Draft Tech's big board, and the the second one, Eric, I'm sorry, Alec Lindstrom is ranked 103rd. So, I mean, there's a big disparity between him and pretty much any other center who's who's ranked behind him in, on any big board uh, that, you, that you find. So what if he falls to them at 20? Do you, do you pass a Linderbaum up? Because, yeah, maybe you're going to be okay with, with uh, Mason Cole. Maybe Kendrick Green will, will be a really good center for you. Maybe J.C. Hassenauer can be a really good center for you. But what if Linderbaum uh, becomes a Hall of Fame center? I mean, there's a difference between between um, pretty good and great. And uh, just by his pedigree alone, Linderbaum has a chance to be really great. Doesn't mean he will. I mean, he could be a bust. Any any draft pick is capable of, of being a bust, regardless of, of how well they're thought of or, or how high they're graded before the draft. So I guess that's my, the, the point I was trying to make is just because you address the need in the draft doesn't mean you stop trying to address a need. I'm sorry, in free agency doesn't mean you stop trying to address that need in the draft. If a player is there that you feel could be even an upgrade over the guy that you just signed in free agency, you have to try to, you, you owe it to yourself to seriously consider drafting him. You know, so that's uh, the point I was trying to make in that article. And I just wanted to clarify because I think it's pretty fascinating because it, it's, it's such a, a different time now. And, and, and I think unlike any other sport, the draft is still the best way for NFL teams to, to, to build their franchise, to, to build up their roster, to improve uh, and address areas of, of, of need. Uh, and I think, and I think it's been, it, it's, uh, it's, been proven that that NFL player college uh, prospects NFL draft picks I should say they usually have the most the highest uh, impact immediately on their team uh, out of all the sports the NFL draft picks can come in and, and make an immediate impact right away and, and be impact players in their rookie years and be difference makers in their rookie years. And, uh, you know, they're, they're usually the most professional ready. Uh, obviously, ba- baseball players, it, it takes years normally for them to, to, to be ready to, to make it, take it to the highest level. Same with hockey. NBA, it all depends on, on what team they get drafted to. But, but if, if, if there's two or three really good players on an NBA team, the chances of, of a first round rookie having a, a major impact right away are, are pretty slim. So uh, I think NFL players, you know, have the, ch- you know, usually make the, the highest impact right away. So it just fascinates me that, that, that so many teams and fans and the media, they talk in absolutes when, when a, when a team goes out and signs a, a guy in free agency. So 
That's all I had to say about that. And let's move on to other things. And that's the Steelers and whether or not they should sign Deontay Johnson to a, a fairly lucrative contract extension as he prepares to play in his fourth season. He's heading into the final year of his rookie deal. And, uh, you know, Michael Beck wrote something about this the other day and Dave Schofield. And I'm not talking about this because of them. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I've been wanting to write about this, but I saw they wrote about it. I said, ah, I can't write another article about, about the Steelers and, and, and whether or not they should pay receivers. So I figured I'd talk about it on, on this show. And uh, I think it's a, it's a bit of an overstatement to say that, that, that they're great at drafting receivers and developing. They're pretty good at it, but they're far from perfect. And I think their reputation has been skewed a bit um, because of Antonio Brown and the fact that he, he uh, is arguably the greatest receiver in, in, in team history, and they found him in the sixth round. And he certainly had the greatest run in NFL history over the, the uh, between what 2013 and 2018. Uh, you know him, and then you factor in the rest of Young Money. Mike Wallace had a fairly good career. Is he still playing? I don't know, but he but he certainly had a great career or a good career. He's not a great career, but a good career. Certainly, um, he outperformed being a third round pick in 2009. Same with Emmanuel Sanders, who was a, a third-round pick in 2010, the same draft as as uh, Brown. He's had a pretty decent career. And then, of course, Juju Smith-Schuster has been, you know, I mean, he, he's kind of a polarizing figure in some circles, but, you know, he got off to a great start and kind of he's kind of struggled a bit over the last few years, but, but you, you could pr- pretty much label him a, a success. Um, Martavis Bryant. Phenomenal talent. They drafted him in, in the fourth round in 2014. Uh, he had a, a great start to his career, but the off the field stuff affected that. And he's never, he never quite got, got over that. And by 2017, he was pretty much done as a, a, um, uh, a potent uh, force in the NFL. Uh, obviously Deontay Johnson, um, he could be close to becoming a, a, a top tier receiver in the NFL and chase Claypool, the, the, the jury's still out on him. Although, you know, the, the, the talent is evident and the potential is certainly there. So those guys are, I'd say Deontay Johnson, uh, in my opinion, I think he is, he is an example of their ability to, 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 to draft receivers and develop them. Chase Claypool is still the jury's out, but others, I mean, you know, I, I wrote all these down, you know, 2012, they drafted Tony Clemens, Clem, Clemens out of uh, Colorado in round seven. He had a nothing career. Uh, 2013, they drafted Marcus Wheaton in the third round out of Oregon state. Everybody was excited about him. I know I was, I thought he would be a great pro and he was okay when he was here. He had uh, 107 receptions for 1,500 yards over uh, what a few a few seasons, but he never really 
his career kind of flamed out after that. Justin Brown out of Oklahoma, he was picked in the sixth round that same year. Uh, he really did nothing as, a, as an NFL receiver. Sammy Coates showed promise, third-round pick in 2015 out of Auburn. Uh, he had some injury problems in the second year, and he was never the same after that. Uh, Demarcus Ayers was a seventh-round pick out of Houston in 2016. Uh, he showed some promise his rookie year, but ne- did nothing after that. James Washington, second-round pick in 2018 out of Oklahoma State. Uh, he showed flashes when he was here, especially in 2019, ironically enough, uh, playing with uh, Mason Rudolph and, 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 and Duck Hodges as his quarterbacks. He led the team receiving yards, but he really didn't uh, build on that. And now he's a Dallas Cowboy, and, and, and the jury's still out on him too. So, you know, to say that, that the Steelers are, are – are infallible or, or have this great, just almost perfect record with developing receivers you know, you know, that they draft. I think that's a bit of a mistake. And my point is, as, as you know, they've only given second contracts to two receivers in, in the free agency era, Heinz Ward, Antonio Brown. Um, obviously they might be the, the two greatest receivers in, in franchise history. So it, it, it it's, no shocker that they that they that they kept them around after their rookie deals, but uh, I don't think you can, can say well you know that, that policy I don't I don't think should necessarily continue moving forward um, because there isn't again there isn't great evidence that that they can just go out there and and, and draft receivers and and bring them in here and, and throw them in in the in the system and and have them be pro bowlers, you know, like they do with outside linebackers over the years. I mean, that's a, that's a position you might say, okay, we're going to, we're going to just bring in uh, draft picks and, 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 and have them be productive uh, pros, which they, they had a great run of that for, for the longest time until they drafted uh, Jarvis Jones. But overall, I would say, yeah, their record with outside linebackers is far better than it is with receivers. So, and, and they've paid their outside linebackers over the years. So it might behoove them to, to pay some, if, if they find a truly great receiver or at least even a really good one, like Deontay Johnson to let that, that guy walk might be a mistake. And, and I realized, you know, he might want uh, their speculation. They watched 90 million over five years. I, th- I think I saw a projection that, he's going to get a contract for about 88 million over five years. That's actually pretty reasonable for a, a, even a number two receiver, you know, or, or a, a second tier number one receiver in the NFL, you know, somebody who's maybe not an elite number one, but somebody who's a number one for a, uh, a team like the Steelers right now, that's maybe transitioning a quarterback. That's not a bad uh, – you figure when, when Antonio Brown got his last contract here, it was, a, it was about $17 million a year, I think. You know, So um, for people to think that that's out of line, I think that's, that's, a, that's a mistake. So um, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I don't 
necessarily think it's it's just as easy as going out and drafting receivers and developing developing them just because they're the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think again, it was their that reputation was skewed a bit by young money, namely Antonio Brown. So that's all I had to say about that. And I just have one more topic to cover. And that's just really a celebration of the 1987 NFL draft, the Steelers draft class. Because I don't think it gets enough, nearly enough credit as being historically good for them. Um, you know, when people talk about the 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 all-time best Steelers drafts, they often they obviously talk about 74. 71's up there, and rightfully so. I mean, they produced so many Hall of Famers from those two drafts alone. And it led to four Super Bowls in six years. But if you look at the 87 draft, and I was going over this the other day, it's my favorite draft of all time. It's my favorite Steelers draft. I, it was the last time I got to stay home from school. It was the last time it was held on a, a weekday morning. It was a Tuesday morning in, 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 back then. I think it started at 7 or 7.30. And that was the year that, they, that Rod Woodson, the great cornerback from Purdue, somehow slipped all the way to number 10. And, of course, they, they nabbed him pretty quickly and he's arguably the greatest cornerback of all time. Um, certainly one of the greatest Steelers cornerbacks of all time. But in addition to Woodson, that draft uh, included Delton Hall in the second round, who was a, he was a starter for a few years. He didn't really have a, his career didn't have staying power, but, but he was a, he was a decent pro for a while there. Uh, Thomas Everett, safety in the fourth round. Hardy Nickerson, linebacker in the fifth round. Greg Lloyd, linebacker, sixth round. And Merrill Hodge in the tenth round, running back. That's a pretty good draft. And three of those players, especially Woodson and Lloyd, went on to form the uh, the core of Bill Cowher's playoff teams in the 90s. You know, Hodge was was around for a, for a couple of years, and you know, and he certainly was a hero of that '89 playoff uh, team. But he he was also on on Cowher's first two playoff teams in the early '90s. But specifically, Woodson and Lloyd were were building blocks and in uh, core uh, members and, and vital members of of Cowher's uh, playoff teams of the '90s. So. You know, I think that that draft gets overlooked a lot, but you know, it was it was a pretty fruitful one when you when you when you when you go back and examine it. You know, uh, Everett he was on the Cowboys uh, first, or not the first, but the the first Super Bowl under Jimmy Johnson in '92. Uh, Nickerson went on to have a decent career after he left here. He was pretty good here, then he went and signed with the Buccaneers and had a fairly decent career with with them. So that was a pretty good draft. And um, I just wanted to uh, give it a shout out because I, you know, it didn't produce any Super Bowls for Pittsburgh, but it helped make Pittsburgh a a, a serious contender again in, in the '90s after Chuck Knoll departed. But he left them with some uh, pretty decent building bo- building blocks, and he, I think he should get more credit for that draft. So those are all the topics I have to cover tonight. And I think I will take some comments and questions before I call it a night. 
Let's see what we have here from the peeps. I'm scrolling down the live chat and see what, what, what these uh, fine folks have to say. And so far, not a whole lot. Ah, ah, Terry, my man Terry's in. Sixburg Six is here. Claude Bishop. Bo McClennis. Creex. All right. Here's one from Steeler Chick 46, and she says, Would love for the Steelers draft Trevor Penning, but he will likely be gone by pick number 20. He's the the tackle from northern Iowa, I believe. Yeah, he's a good prospect. But he's certainly a realistic option for them. Uh, somebody joked the other day that according to the fans in the media, there are like 40, 40 uh, players that will not be there. <laughs> the Steelers draft the 20. Somebody's gonna fall, and maybe it'll be Trevor Penning. When you when you when you factor in the quarterback needs of a lot of teams, and and you know, there's a lot of good receivers in this draft. Um somebody's probably gonna fall to them that you didn't expect to be there. So maybe it'll be Trevor Penning. George Tesson says that he would like Jordan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Georgia but he will likely be gone. And that's probably more of a, uh, there's probably a, a, a lesser chance that Davis will be, be there at 20 than, than, um, than Penning. Uh, but there's uh Devonte Wyatt. And, and if you, if you uh, followed the, the site this week, uh, I think it was Jeffrey Benedict, although it might, no, no, it was KT Smith, I believe. Yeah. KT Smith, Kevin Smith, he did a great breakdown of Wyatt and his versatility and how he, he thinks he might be a better three-down lineman and a better fit for the Steelers' scheme than Davis. So check that out. So there you go. Devontae Wyatt's another one who who could be a possibility. He's certainly going to be a first-round pick. The question is, will he be there when Pittsburgh selects, and will they consider him strongly? Creek says of all-time Steeler greats, or at least his favorites, Bettis, Jerome Bettis, of course, Ben Roethlisberger, Heinz Ward, Troy Polamalu, Rod Woodson. Yeah, I mean they're all they're all right up there with me too. I mean, my gosh, the only Steeler jersey I own is Heinz Ward number eighty-six, and of course, I I am always going to be grateful of Ben Roethlisberger and what he meant to the organization. Same with Troy Polamalu, uh, Rod Woodson. Uh, I mean, he was a he was named to the 75th anniversary team, the NFL 75 year anniversary team. What in his eighth year in the league? Uh, so I mean, that, that's to me that was a, a a a testament to what the league already thought of him when he was still in his prime. And of course, Jerome Bettis. I mean, gosh, I just I, I've said this in the past. There was just something about Jerome Bettis when he scored a touchdown, or, or when he had a long run, or a or a tough run, which he often did. There was just something about that that just that just brought it out of me. You know, I just I just loved it. So, yeah, they, those are all those players are all very near and or all dear, not near to me, but dear to me. 
Steel Chick 46 says, in popular opinion, don't draft a quarterback this year. You know what, Steeler Chick? I don't know if that's unpopular. It seems to be a uh, a 50-50 split there. You know, um, but I, I, as I say every week, you just don't know. And if you're them and one of these guys is there and chances are somebody from this class, one of the, the, the first round candidates is going to be there. If, if the player there matches, um, if he winds up being somebody that they're, they feel strongly about, well, then they have to take him. You do, you owe it to yourself. If you're the Steelers and you, and you, and you feel like whatever quarterback happens to be there, if that's somebody that you like, that you feel you can develop into, into a, a top tier quarterback, then you have to take him because the point is to find that guy as quickly as possible. And it's not about trying to wait until next year, or the year after that, or the year after that, some mythical future draft class. As I say, said on last week's show, Sam Howell, or maybe it was two weeks ago, Sam Howell is a great example of what maybe how perceptions can change in one year. Sam Howell was a former, he was once considered a top five prospect, and now he might not even get drafted in, in the first round. So, you know, you, you can't necessarily go by um, – what people think of, of the class overall, you have to go by what you think of it, of the individual player. So I'm not saying that they draft the quarterback just to do it, but draft the quarterback. If, if they feel strongly about an individual player, Claude Bishop says of Heinz Ward, number 86 should be in the hall of fame because of, because he has better numbers than half the receivers who are in. Well, that's that's a bit. That's a bit. I mean, I get your point, Claude, but that's a bit misleading. I mean, you know, the game changed so much um, by the time Heinz Ward uh, entered the NFL, and, and certainly has changed a lot since then. But you know, guys like um, Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, they played in a different era. You know, Charlie Joyner, when he broke the all-time receptions record in what 1984 against the Steelers at three river stadium. I remember it like it was yesterday. Like that, he had like what five or 600 catches, whatever that was, it was 500 and some or 600 and some catches at that point. I mean, that was considered, you know, incredible back then, but you know, it, it's, it's a different game now. So yeah, Heinz Ward does have way more receptions than, than a lot of the all time greats. But compared to his peers, he doesn't have as many. But I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he passes the eye test. And I think he's going to get in someday. He might just have to wait a little while. But, but yeah, it's a different era now than it was way, you know, back in, in the days of uh, Steve Largent and, and you know, again, Charlie Joyner and... and and those kind of players, those kind of receivers, the all-time greats. Let's see. This is from George Teston. There's no guarantee that Matt Canada is going to work out either. So I don't think they should take a quarterback to fit his system. Well, no. I mean, you take the you take the best quarterback. Available that you think is available, 
you know, um, obviously, obviously uh, you want somebody to fit Canada's system. But I think that the number one thing that, that they're looking for in his system is a mobile quarterback. And I think all these quarterbacks, or at least most of them, obviously Willis and Pickett, Howe, uh, Corral, Ritter, they're all mobile enough. So I think they're all going to fit his system in that way. So I think from that standpoint, uh, th that box is checked. Claude Bishop says of the line, you can't rely on to it. Not yet anyway. And everyone else is getting older. That's true. That's true. That, that the, the, the defensive line is certainly in play as for, far as the first or second round pick. Kreek says, I can assume of Deontay Johnson. No, we should not extend his contract. Yes, but lucrative. No, he has not been consistent enough. Well, it all depends on what you mean by lucrative. If you mean, should he get 30 million? I was, I wrote down, I wrote down the, uh, what, what the top receivers are making in 2022 per, you know, what they're making in base salary or whatever, uh, as far as uh, overall salary in 2022. And uh, you're talking about guys like the, the fun. Here, here we are. I wrote that down. Excuse me. I'm not prepared. Is that oh, here we are. Uh, Tyree Kill is going to make 30 million next year. Devontae Adams, 28 million. DeAndre Hopkins, 27 million. Stefan Diggs, 26 million. DJ Moore from the Panthers, 20.6 million. Keenan Allen, 20 million. So if you're a player like Deontay Johnson, you know how these things go. I mean, it, it's slotted for the most. I mean, not, not officially, but officially it's slotted. And again, Deontay Johnson for a, for a, a, again, a, a, maybe a, a lower tiered number one receiver, which you could, you could reasonably say he is for the Steelers, him asking for 16, 17 million a year. That's kind of the going rate. So it's not necessarily about Deontay Johnson. It's about how they address the receiver position moving forward. Are they going to keep thinking that, all right, we're just going to throw draft picks at this position and we'll be okay because we're the Steelers and we're good at it. We're, 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 we're great at, at drafting receivers and developing them. Or are they going to have to say, look, we're not as great as we thought we were at drafting these guys. Um, so maybe we have to, uh, extend these players and give them a, 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 a rate that they're a contract that they're, they're happy with instead of constantly letting them walk and bringing in new blood and hoping that they develop the right. Uh, Clarence for Washington brought, uh, brings up Lima Swede. And that was kind of before their, their reputation kind of um, before they, before the team got this reputation of, you know, being like a uh, wide receiver, you, you know, they drafted Sweden 08. And of course, he never panned out. Uh, but really, that, that reputation began to grow in like, I'd say around 2010, 2011. That's when people started to say, this team's pretty good at drafting receivers. You know, but yeah, Lima Sweet was, was a little bit before that time. And of course, Steelers Pittsburgh brings up a, a, a pretty good and pretty obvious point. Having Big Ben throwing the football made some of these receivers better. That's that's yeah, you can say that about just about any all-time great quarterback. Tom Brady certainly has that 
reputation. Um, <laughs> Drew Brees, or Drew Brees, uh, Brett Favre said, I don't, I just looked for uh, the guy that was open uh, who had the same color Jersey as, as me and, and threw it to him. So yeah, like, you know, the, the, the franchise quarterback obviously makes a big difference. And, 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 and big Ben was, was a instrumental uh, part in making all these guys better receivers, but Antonio Brown, I mean, he probably was going to be a, an all time great regardless of who his quarterback was. I mean, within reason, of course. So on that note, I think it's time to call it a night. Uh, we're approaching the 947 mark. So I want to thank you all again for joining me. It was a fun show. I think I covered a lot of topics tonight, which is, which, you know, it, it's hard to do now three weeks before the draft. So uh, I was glad I was, I, hopefully I brought you a good show and I hope you have a great weekend and I'll talk to you on Monday on the hangover with, with Brian and Shannon. And uh, in the meantime, Go Steelers. Good night, everybody. When I know that it can never really be the same, how could I move forward when I keep looking backward? I'm just standing still.